Welcome to Uncharted Careers. I'm Courtney Hartman, and I talk with guests each week about their career paths to give listeners an insider look into different industries, how folks have made decisions in their careers, and we'll explore what each guest has learned along the way. I'm on a mission to share knowledge that is only learned in the field outside of a classroom. Join me to find inspiration for your own career. Today is a really special day on Uncharted Careers because I'm sitting here with my sister, Samantha. She and I are both in Delray Beach, Florida, visiting our grandmother for a couple days. And so we're taking some time to sit down and record an episode about her experience in college and what she's been doing after. So thank you so much for being on, Sam. I would love to start off just by hearing what's one thing that you're really liking about Florida while we're here? First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. But yeah, I mean, my favorite thing so far about Florida is obviously just seeing grandma and definitely not the weather considering I got here last night and it's been raining all day today. So that's not my favorite, but hopefully we can get some good weather tomorrow. Yeah, that would be nice. Well, I wanted to start off with our conversation about your experience at college because you went to Tulane University in New Orleans and that was my second choice, I would say, in terms of colleges. I really love the city and you had such a cool experience. I want to talk about what you were doing there and I know it wasn't so long ago. So can you tell me more about what drew you to Tulane and what you really loved about it? This is my favorite question in the world because I love talking about my college and my college experience. And it's funny because we just got an email yesterday that our five-year reunion is coming up this year. And I just cannot believe that it's been five years at all. It feels like yesterday that I graduated, but very wild. Anyway, um, I loved everything about Tulane. I think that New Orleans itself is a really unique and special place to go to school. I think that the culture of the city is really ingrained in the student body Uh, at least the people that I surrounded myself with in the student body. And I think that they do a really good job at integrating community into all of the classes and just everything that you do there, uh, which was really exciting for me and something that I wanted in a college experience. Um, I also loved the fact that it was a and is a college campus that is in a major city. So you get an actual campus feel while getting all of the great benefits of being able to go to restaurants and and concerts and bars in a really great city. So it's kind of the best of both worlds in that aspect. And then the program itself is great because going in, I wasn't super sure about what I wanted to do. I mean, I had an idea at first, which completely changed halfway through my freshman year of college. And Tulane was great that they're, you're very flexible with the classes that you take. So I just think overall, uh, Tulane is a great college and I enjoyed my experience so much. I made amazing friends who I still find myself traveling to see all the time because we all live in different cities now. And I just think it's a really unique and awesome experience to be able to blend the community aspect because you kind of come out of it feeling a little bit more, feeling a little bit more ready for adulthood 
than you would if you're in a college that is more of a bubble. So what were you planning to get a degree in at Tulane and what did you make a decision to change that to? Well, originally I went in for for engineering. Yeah, I took I took physics and chem, both lab sciences, freshman year, first semester. And had I known that I was going to change, I would have been really upset to know that I was in labs for about 10 hours a week. But <laughs> second semester freshman year, I decided to just say, that doesn't seem like the path that I'm going to go down. Uh, and I didn't really necessarily know exactly what I wanted to do. I ended up majoring in communication and public relations. And then I also did a minor in marketing, um, which was cool because it's also pretty easy to double major and minor there. So I liked that aspect too. Because even though I changed my mind a little bit late, I still was able to do two majors and a minor. So that's awesome. But I kind of switched to communication because it was more of an umbrella term for pretty much doing whatever you wanted in the future. And once I got down to Tulane, I realized what a wonderful city to be in for music specifically. And I really started to fall in love with music and the music industry. And I thought that I had wanted to go into something like that from there, which is funny because I didn't end up there. But but that was what I was really focused on at that point um, after I made the switch from engineering. Yeah, that's so nice that they were so supportive and that you were able to take on something entirely different, but not really be behind um, after having made that decision a couple semesters in. You also did a really good job just taking advantage of all of the resources in the city and the places and the music venues and your community. Can you talk to me more about the internships and jobs that you had while you were there? Yeah. So I had really wanted to experience different sides of music at that point. And New Orleans has incredible music venues and com- music companies and a lot of nonprofits that are tailored to music. So I ended up working in a bunch of them. Um, specifically, I got internships at the Live Nation in New Orleans. So that was like a larger, they, they covered all the large concerts that were coming through the Superdome or the Smoothie King Center. Um, and so that was interesting to see how they marketed those larger events. And then I also interned at a smaller music venue, Tipitina's, which is probably my favorite music venue uh, in that I've ever been to. And I was able to see the difference between how they market their concerts, which are much smaller, um, much smaller scale than the large Live Nation events. So that was really cool. And then I also interned for this nonprofit called the um, Trombone Shorty Foundation, which was founded by Trombone Shorty and helps to connect students in the New Orleans area with music classes and instruments. And that was interesting as well because I could see a lot of different sides to, to the music business and the different levels of the music business in a way that I wouldn't have been able to actually see or work in um, in any other city. So that was really cool. And those 
three places, those three organizations are so diverse. Can you tell me more about the day-to-day of the internships? I'm assuming that Live Nation would have probably a little bit more of an organized internship program than something like a Tipitina. So I'm curious how that varied and what kind of work you were actually doing for all of them. Yeah, it is funny because for Tipitina's, I would go in and they'd be like, what do you want to do today? And I was like, I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) So for that one, I ended up doing a lot of um, Photoshop, funny enough, because I probably forget how to use Photoshop completely at this point. But it was a lot of making posters that they would hang up around New Orleans and also writing copy for their Instagram or at that point, Twitter was still really kicking and and I would write copy for Twitter a lot um, and even Facebook, which definitely they don't use anymore. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of copywriting and, and it was cool at tips because they actually would use it. Like all of the posters I was making, they actually were using. Whereas at Live Nation, it was a lot of spreadsheets of budgeting. So they would be like, okay, uh, Lindsay Buckingham is coming to town at Smoothie King Center and we have X budget. I remember this was an example that they gave me to like do a test run. So like, let's say that they gave me a budget of $10,000 for their marketing. And I would say, okay, so half is going to go to billboards because New Orleans was a specific city in that it's very different from other cities marketing wise because people still listen to the radio and people still look at billboards. So, so their marketing would have been very different from like a New York city marketing for a big concert like that. But the billboards were a big part of it. The radio budgeting was a big aspect of it. So I would break it down by the X percentage would go to radio X percentage would go to billboards. And then like the way smaller would go to like social media ads and stuff like that. Whereas like in New York, I'm sure it's mostly social media ads or email marketing or something like that. Uh, But those weren't actually ever used anything that I did. So it was more of a theoretical internship versus at tips, all of the things that I did were actually being seen um, in public, which was cool. I mean, both of those provide such great experience for so many different things that you could do after school. I mean, that's awesome that you had that experience. I'm curious. I know you did some banging on the doors and you uh, went some non-traditional routes of trying to get internships. So what kind of advice do you have for somebody who is looking to get an internship in that industry, in the music industry or, you know, anywhere, especially if they have applied and they're not hearing back? Yeah, it's... It's a little bit embarrassing, but I knew I really, really wanted to work at Tipitina's. I was like, this is my favorite music venue. I would do anything and I did it for free. But I emailed them probably like eight or nine times and because they kept like answering once in a while and they'd be like, yeah, sure. And then I'd be like, oh, I don't I haven't heard back from them in a while. So I would just follow up a lot over email. I found like their general info email online, followed up a bunch. And then they forgot that they set up a meeting with me. So I waited in the green room for like an hour for them to come back from their lunch break. And I was like, this is so cool. I get to sit in the green room at at the tips. 
And it was hilarious because they had forgotten about me. And I was like, this is a great experience still. Um, But it was just I knew that I wanted to work there. I knew that I thought that it was really cool and fun. And it that's exactly what it ended up being. But I made a fool out of myself along the way. And it all worked out. But yeah, I mean, that's the advice that I would give my favorite one of my favorite quotes by Mr. Bob Dylan is when you've got nothing, you've got nothing to lose. So I had no internships at the time. I knew where I wanted to work. I had absolutely nothing to lose. So just make a fool out of your out of yourself. That's my biggest takeaway from that, because I got what I wanted in the end. And they probably don't remember how much of a fool I made. Yeah, I think in those scenarios, sometimes you can have a little bit of an ego where you feel like you're offer or you can offer a lot. So, you know, they should reach out to you. They should want to use you. You're offering to work for free. They should be more engaged with you. But that persistence really does go a long way. And a lot of times when you're reaching out to somebody, you're just not going to be the first thing on their mind, but they are going to be the first thing on your mind. So um, just continuing to make the outreach and try does eventually get you to where you're wanting to be. So fast forward five years from college. Now you work as a paralegal. Can you tell me more about what your day-to-day looks like in your current position? Yeah. So it was funny, the transition there, because I went from working in such a creative field and, and doing marketing for music to working in an administrative role. And the transition kind of happened because of COVID because absolutely nothing in the industry I was in prior was hiring or let alone like they were firing everyone or furloughing or whatever they did, any of those companies. So it was August, 2020 when I got this job. So I was like, all right, I'll do, I'll do this job that I can get. And I'm still here a few years later. And it's been interesting because I didn't really know much about the law field, like the the field at all prior. And it was a really big learning curve at first. So my day-to-day is very administrative. Um, I'm preparing for hearings. I'm drafting affidavits. I'm communicating with our clients. So I work at a smaller firm. So I have a very good relationship with the clients that we do have because we work so closely to one another because of the nature. It's um, education law. So I work with families a lot of times. So I, I do know them pretty well at this point. So I have a very good relationship and, and speak with our clients through email, uh, with, through phone calls, through video calls every day, making sure that they are getting me all the documents that we need to submit for anything. But yeah, I, I gather documents. I communicate with clients. I communicate with hearing officers or judges. There's a lot of things that will randomly come up that I just have to answer questions about, but it's, it's a very administrative role. 
And what's required to be a paralegal? Do you need to have a bachelor's degree? Do you need to have any other levels of education in order to be a paralegal? Yeah, you definitely need a bachelor's degree, I would say. But I'm pretty sure that there actually is some sort of certificate for being a paralegal, but you don't need that at all. Um, I I guess it would just depend on which field in law because there are so many different paralegal roles, but I work specifically in education law. So I didn't need to have any background prior to what I do now. And what does the career path look like for somebody who is a paralegal? Does it often lead to folks getting a law degree and becoming a lawyer or Can you stay a paralegal for many years? What can that look like? Yeah. So most people that I speak with that I know who have been paralegals do do the role because they want to go to law school. It's It's definitely a stepping stone for law school. But like I said, it's very paralegal roles at different firms is very different from one another. So I feel like in my role, because I'm at a small firm, because of the type of law that I do, all of our hearings are are virtual and we have short like status conferences once a month and I'm able to like participate in those and and act as kind of a a representative for our clients whereas some larger firms would never let a paralegal in on a conference like that. Like they wouldn't even be allowed in the room. So, or, or they're all in person and a paralegal wouldn't even travel to go to those hearings or anything like that. Some of them are very much so specific to being very admin, but all of that's to say that it's dependent on, on which type of law, but from what I've seen, the role does lead itself into law school. Because you do learn a lot. And then at that point, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I could see myself even doing this long term in, in a greater capacity. But the term career paralegal is also something that people do. So people are paralegals as their full-time career long term. Um, I've seen less of it. Most of the paralegals that come through our firm do end up going to law school. But I've been there pretty long term, like three years is kind of a long time to be a paralegal at my firm. And prior to this, there were two other paralegals who were there for a while. And yeah, I think it just, it just depends. But most of the time I would say that people are going to law school after being a paralegal. Has anything been surprising for you as you've started to do the paralegal work or as you have started to work closer with lawyers that you didn't know before about the field? Honestly, everything. I didn't really know much about the law field at all, which is hilarious because our mom is an attorney, uh, was working as an attorney up until this past summer for over 30 years. And recently retired. So, but it's funny because she always told us not to go to law school. So I never really gave, I never really gave the law field much thought. I didn't really know anything that went on. And I feel like it was such a big learning curve for me, like 
even something as, as small as like statute of limitations. I'm like, well, what is that? Like any term was completely brand new to me. I had like a term book that I needed to learn everything. Pendency, compliance, like, and these are, I, I don't know if these are words that everyone just knows about, but I sure did not know what any of the terms were. It was a really big transition for me into learning anything about law and even the way to address people like in your in your position and in the position that I was in prior which was in tech I would just hey guys what's up like emailing people that's that's how I opened emails always and I always close them like just dash sam and now I have to close my emails respectfully samantha hartman it's very it's very much so more formal. Um, you know, if you're talking to a judge, if you're talking to a hearing officer, you have to be very formal. And I'm lucky that I work remotely, so I don't have to dress formally every day because I'm working from home. But I've taken on a different persona and learned a lot about professionalism through this role, which I think has been really beneficial to me. It's so funny when you start in a new industry and you just have to learn a new language really quickly because, yeah, I'm not using those kinds of terms all the time and going into healthcare and technology and especially working with Medicaid, I feel like I speak a different language while I'm working than I do when I'm not working and for you the same and yeah, that's funny that you are so professional in that sense. I haven't been used to that level either, where we're signing off respectfully, comma, Samantha. What kind of person do you think would be interested in practicing law or being a paralegal? Well, I think anyone who's interested in being a lawyer should should be a paralegal first, because I think that law school is honestly a humongous decision to make for as someone who has never been a paralegal, you should kind of know what it's about at the base of it before you go to law school, you know, kind of working your way up, let's say, you know, start from the bottom, learn, learn all the, the bottom tier things and how to treat people who are, who are just doing the busy and the not so fun work and then go to law school from there because it's a humongous decision to make. I think I mean, what makes a good lawyer? Someone who likes to talk and has opinions and is able to eloquently argue. And, you know, anyone who just likes to, anyone who likes to put in a lot of work for something, honestly, you have to be a really, really hard worker to do this job, honestly that's an attorney, not, not necessarily, not necessarily paralegal, but to be an attorney because you have to reread everything you are writing a million times and make sure that it's perfectly stated that there's absolutely no grammar issues. It's, it's very attention to detail oriented. So anyone who has great attention to detail, anyone who is passionate, I think that you need to have a lot of passion, honestly, to go to any sort of of extra school beyond bachelor's degree. I think that you should be passionate about that if you're going to make that decision. And do you have any advice for somebody who does 
see that they have these characteristics at a baseline that would lend itself well to going to law school or practicing law or even being a paralegal. But, you know, they're not really sure how to be the best in their field or maybe they're just getting into it. Um, What kind of advice do you have for somebody? Yeah, well, like I said, I feel like the area of law that I'm in is probably very different than other areas of law. And I think that that's interesting to note that if you want to go to law school and you're like, okay, I'm going to apply to be a paralegal at X company, that that paralegal role is going to be very different than a paralegal role at at another place. So if you're not liking that one, that doesn't mean that you're not going to like the job at all um, or that you're going to be doing anything like that in the future because a lawyer at a big firm is doing very different work than a lawyer at my firm because it's smaller. So I think that it's cool because there are a lot of facets to it, but it also just means that there are more options, which is a good and a bad thing because then it's like when you have so many options, it's harder to make a decision. Yeah, but that is helpful to know that if you do invest the time and all of your energy in becoming a lawyer, if you don't like your first job, there's probably another one out there that is going to be a better fit for you. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Sam. This was such a nice little chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was very scared, honestly. (laughs) You did a great job. Thank you. Go to unchartedcareers.com if you're interested in one-on-one career coaching or are looking to learn more about uncharted careers and my coaching approach. Thanks for listening.